Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Man, I, I was just thinking, what a beautiful uh, platform. It was worth the drive through the snow, wasn't it? <laughs> and, then, and then, but way outdone by the beauty of Jesus that was presented in the songs that we sang. How many are thankful for all, the, all those staff and volunteers that prepared so much so we could focus on Jesus as we gathered today? How about we give them thanks? Thank you. Well, I've got a, something embarrassing to tell you. You say, what else is new? <laughs> Well, it happened this past week as I was getting this teaching ready for you. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm jumping into a series that Pastor Jonathan started uh, with a story for the world. Pastor Jessica did a great teaching last week about a story for the hurting. And today I'm doing a story for the uncertain. And, uh, but it's all coming out of the experiences of two famous couples in the Bible, Right? Abraham and Sarah, Mary and Joseph, and, and we're applying it to ourselves today. And so I just got thinking as I was getting ready for my contribution to this series, I thought, you know, how many years went by between Abraham and Sarah? And uh, so I googled uh, a legit source to find out, and it was uh, uh, around uh, Abraham lived around 2056 BC. So 2,000 years BC, which means 2,000 years before Christ, yeah. And so I automatically went right back in and I started to Google when Mary and Joseph lived. Are you getting embarrassed for me? <laughs> Dr. Van, please be quiet. I heard him say a little too loud, yes, he's getting embarrassed for me. Because basically what I was doing is, is I, was, uh, I was asking Dr. Google a, a question that is sort of obvious. I was about to ask, you know, was Christ born to Mary before Christ or after Christ, right? <laughs> it was embarrassing. And anyway, here we are, Christmas 2023. 2,000 years before Mary and Joseph, Abraham and Sarah, and then obviously how many years between Mary and Joseph and us, about 2,000 years. And so it just brings the, the question right to the surface, what do people who lived in the middle of the Bronze Age have to do with people who lived at the end of the Iron Age have to do with people that are right in the middle of the technological age that we live in today? And, and I've got a couple of answers for you. All of us, Abraham, Sarah, Mary, Joseph, you and me, all of us are chosen by God to have a role in revealing Jesus. God chooses Abraham. What does he say? All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. How? Because God had raised up a national womb to bring a Messiah to the world through Abraham and Sarah. And then when he chooses Mary, the angel says, you will be given a son 
of the Most High. And how many know his name is? Jesus, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. And then, and then it comes to you and me, and Jesus says, you, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. And he says, whoever believes in me, he says, follow me. And, and he gives us a mission to reveal Jesus to the world. Go into all the world and tell them the good news of what I have, have done for them. So, so and, and it's so easy to think because you just come off of a promise like that. It's like you just roll off of it. And it's just, just sliding right into the future so smoothly. And, and the idea is that if you're following God's plan and purposes, your priority is to reveal Jesus to the world, then, then you're traveling on a road that's clear of obstacles, right? Zero uncertainty going forward here. I'm following Jesus. He's with me. Future's bright. This is going to be a good life. And, and so for Abraham and Sarah getting this promise from God, you know, go to the land I will show you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And so Abraham goes where God has said, right? And, and you, you go on and you read. And it would say this in the Bible. As soon as they arrive in the land that God had told them to go to, they have a baby and then another baby and then another baby. Every year they have another bambino until they have a tribe. And, a, and, then, and then before you know it, they're the, they're the father and mother of a whole nation of God's people. Not so fast and not so much. Abraham and Sarah, you, you know what the first thing that happens? <laughs> Watch this. The first thing that happens when they go to where God told them to go and it is this, they face a famine. That's what they face. Look at it. There's a famine. God choose them. First, how can that happen? God, I was going right where you told me to go, and now there's a shortage on one of the basics of life. What's going on here? And it just went on. Look at this. The famine. There was a, remember that nuisance nephew, Lot? He let them down big time. And then there was that choosing of Hagar. Well, come to that. If you've read the story in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, it, it just goes from mess to mess here. And, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the thing is that God just kept saying, I'm going to give you a child. I'm gonna, he just keeps affirming the promise. I'm going to give you a child. You're going to have a nation come from your offspring that will bless all the people of the world just keep showing. And, and, and you know, Abraham and Sarah both laughed. There's one chapter between them, but one laughed in one chapter, the other laughed in the other chapter. I don't know. I guess that's where it comes to. Whoever laughs, laughs, laughs best. But someone got the best laugh there. But it just, it just got to, the older they got, the funnier it got. You imagine Abraham, 99 years old, and Sarah, 89 years old. The biological clock is not ticking. It's ticked off. I mean, it's just, it's just gone. Can you imagine? I was thinking about this past week. Can you imagine Abraham and Sarah being audited by the CRA? Because they want to know why you're claiming for a dependent you had a baby and you're also getting your Canada pension and your old age security at the same time. Like, what is up with this? And then God changes Abram's name. Do you remember that story? Abram, father of heights, it meant in the Hebrew. Change it to father of multitudes. Father of multitudes. That would lead to some awkward introductions when there was this, you know, initial, hi, I'm Keith Smith, who are you? You know, hi, 
somebody gives their name. Oh, I'm, I'm Abraham. You're the father of multitudes? See a lot of cattle and sheep around here, but where are the, where are the kids? You're the father of multitudes. This is awkward. Father of multitudes? Well, we haven't had a kid yet. And this, the, the visitor looks at Abraham, looks over, takes a look at Sarah. Good luck, guys. And there's Mary and Joseph. The angelic announcement to, that they're going to bring the Messiah as a baby. You know what happens? The very next day, as soon as Joseph hears that she's pregnant, he starts preparing the divorce papers. And then, and then there's that trip to... And then, of course, there's the community reaction. Like, and, and then let's keep going here, because just look down here at the, at the bottom line. There's this trip to Bethlehem stable. Can you imagine the questions that Mary had? If, if I'm carrying the Messiah, the Son of God, why can't we find a room at the hotel? And why am I in an animal's stable, having a baby in a, in a manger, an animal's feeding container? Why? If, if God, if you're really in this, why is it this that circumstances? And then treatment of people. They're forced to flee for their lives from Herod. Remember Herod was killing off the babies in Bethlehem because he didn't want a rival, didn't want competition? They run as refugees to Egypt. God, if this is re if we're really doing what you asked us to do, why are we facing these circumstances and this treatment from people? And then, of course, there's you and me. We follow Jesus, and then there's what? There's there's circumstantial setbacks and people letdowns. That, that's just what we experience, right? We experience it. But, but hold, have you noticed when we've been going through these uh, up and down charts or whatever you call them? Have you been noticed we've been skipping a lot? And that's exactly our problem. We focus on people letdowns, circumstantial setbacks. We focus on, you know, uh, the things that went wrong. And you know what we miss? We miss the goodness of God. We miss the goodness of God. I mean, let, let's go back. Abraham and Sarah, every time they faced something, there was a famine setback. And remember, he lied about uh, Sarah being his wife because it was his half sister. Tell them you're my sister. So, I, you know, he was afraid for his life, a safety type thing. You know, one girl was asked, what's a lie? She said, a lie is, is an abomination to the Lord, and a very present help in time and trouble, you know. That's sort of what, what it was for Abraham there. And then, and then, but God just keeps coming back and affirming. You're going to have a child. Have you been in the Advent devotional that we're using as a church family that Pastor Jonathan introduced? You notice this past week, we were encouraged to just think of Abraham being out there on that starry night to go stargazing, trying to count the stars. Well, that's what happened. God would take him out and say, oh, you don't have a bambino yet. Don't worry. Just look at the stars and count them. So shall your offspring be. And then there's this letdown and God just affirms, no, no, no. We're right on track. I promise you a child. The world's going to be blessed through your offspring. There's just this constant uh, reaffirmation. And then for Mary, it's the same thing. You know, she, she get, she's going to, divorce is, is in the cards for Mary, right? After Joseph finds out she's, but then Joseph is reassured when 
when in a dream he's, he's told that this child that is born of your, in your fiance is conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural birth to bring the Messiah to the world. And then the community reaction, but then, but then she goes to visit her, uh, Elizabeth, her relative, who's, who's giving birth to the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist, just like the Bible said would happen. And it's just like so affirming for her. And then the trip to Bethlehem stable, what am I doing having a, 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 the son of God? Laying him in an animal's feet. Is that the best you can do, God, for a, a baby crib? And then what happens? The shepherds show up and they said, hey, we were told by this angelic host uh, that, that you were going to have a baby. And the way we would know it was the Messiah is we would find him lying in a manger. And, and you know what the, the Bible says? They found it just as the angels had said. Exactly, precisely, as had been said. So you can imagine how encouraging that was for Mary when the shepherd showed up and said, what's happening is, is right on track with what God has said. And then they became, why do we have to flee to Egypt outside of the land that God promised Abraham and the, to, to be his people that would bring the Messiah? What are we doing over here in Egypt when we're supposed to be back there in Israel? You know, Why? And then, did you notice that the Magi showed up and provided them with the very money, the gold, that they would need to finance the trip as political refugees in Egypt? It's a, see, see if, you look at the, if you look at here, <laughs> you miss the goodness of God. You don't see what, what God is doing. It's the same for you and me. We, we, we have trials, right? God chooses, I have chosen you, and then someone lets us down. You became a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, I'm out of your life. You know what I'm saying? We, we can just face all kinds of people letdowns. The longer we follow Jesus, the more people that even say they follow Jesus can sometimes let us down. And then, but what did Jesus say? In this world, you will have tribulation, you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer, I have Overcome the world. People rejected me. They're going to reject you too. But I'm going to be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the world. And at the end of your life, you will be with me in heaven forever. I go to prepare a place for you so that you can be in my father's house where I am. And we're going to be together forever. That's why Pastor Jonathan yesterday when he led the funeral service for his dad, who was a follower of Jesus. And uh, I was texting back and forth. And when he went to the, the graveside, there was just such a sense of celebration. Do you know why? Because <laughs> they weren't saying, goodbye, dad, it's done, it's over. They were saying, see you again, dad. See you again. Because Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me will have everlasting life. His promises. They, they're all, you see, we have to, we can't just look at this, or we have to keep looking. He promises. He says one day he saw people stressed out and worried. And he said, Look at the birds, how the creator cares for them. Look at the flowers of the field, how beautiful they are. And, and you're so much more valuable than them to God. He's, he's watching every, he makes this promise. And, and, and Paul the apostle puts it into a, a succinct little promise. Our God will supply all your 
needs according to his riches. And so, so you know, it just, it's just amazing how, and then Jesus promised us, listen, he said when we spend our lives revealing Jesus to the world, he promised the Holy Spirit would be with us and it would be just like having Jesus with us. Isn't that quite a promise? Jesus is right there with us by his Holy Spirit. He's going to give us the power to overcome every obstacle, every uncertainty we face in this life. So, but do you know what? You know something else that we have in common with Abraham and Sarah and Mary and Joseph? Moments of uncertainty. Wow, especially the last two years. How, how many, uh, there isn't hardly an area of our lives that hasn't gone into the realm of uncertainty, right? We were going to plan this education or plan this with our family, plan this travel, plan, and just jobs, everything in our world, even the way we do churches, everything became very uncertain the last couple of years. How, how do you handle moments of uncertainty? Do you handle them like Abraham and Sarah? Or do you handle them like Mary and Joseph. Abraham and Sarah were trying to make sense. <laughs> the older they got, I mean, they're senior citizens and they're thinking of pushing a baby carriage. You know, the older they got, they were trying to make sense of how what God promised them would really happen. And one of the lines in Genesis says, they continued childless. That sort of was the story of their life over those decades. They continued childless. How can I be the father of multitudes if I'm not even the father of one? How can I be the father of many people if I'm not the father of one people? Well, let's read the story of what not to do in moments of uncertainty, all right? Now, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. Now, now, now understand, this was a custom that was approved by the, many of the ancient cultures. Uh, ancient texts speak of, uh, if you're childless, you can have a child through a servant and it can become your legitimate heir. It's sort of like an early case of surrogate motherhood. Now, in the view of the world, it was legit. But of course, God's people live for God and, and follow his plan, even for things that are, are legal, that doesn't mean that they're, they're the best for us. Now, for Abraham and Sarah, God's not fulfilling his promise fast enough, right? God, we're not seeing your hand at work, so we're going to take matters into our own hands. What, what describes you, whether you're online <laughs> or in this room in Toronto? Uh, let's, let's do a test. I'll get, get you three options here that I'm giving you. I'm sure there are others. But what describes you in moments of uncertainty? Do you say, well, I just leave it to the Lord. Just leave it to the Lord. I just pray. Sometimes I talk to young adults and they say, I don't have any friends. Do you go to young adults? No, I just pray about it. Right. So then there are others who, who say, I do my best and I give God the rest. 
sort of like this partnership. And that's all right as long as we have God's plan happening. We're following what God says when we're doing our part. Do you see that? It's not a matter of I just do my part and then I step away and give God the rest. No, no. He's with us. He's with us the whole way through. And then how many would say, well, I pray, then if I get tired of waiting, I take matters into my own hands. You're too honest. I see people going like this. Yep, that's me. It's nice to be online sometimes, isn't it? Well, that's what Abraham and Sarah did. Oh, by the way, uh, Pastor Jessica, while you were teaching last weekend, someone in the chat room said, said, the silence is the hardest part of waiting. I just want to fill it in. Yeah, true or false, true. Abraham and Sarah decide to take a shortcut. And they take matters into their own hands. And let me just give you... Uh, a heads up here, if, if you take matters into your own hands instead of trusting God's hand, it's going to get messy. You think it's messy now? It's going to get messier. Um, let, let, let's read how, about how it happens. Genesis 16, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Hey girl, look at me, you know. So then Sarai said to Abraham, this is all your fault. Why are men laughing? Our husbands, anyway. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me like this. And it goes on for several chapters, all the way to chapter 21. She says, get rid of her. Get rid of her. You know, in our journey with Jesus, we're going to have moments of uncertainty where we say, where are you, God? And we're going to be tempted to take matters into our own hands. Our faith is going to falter, and, and we're going to try and take a shortcut. I'm, I'm just amazed how capable the human mind is of rationalizing up ways around what God says so we can get to do it our way. Um, man, we get impatient. And so it's understandable to sort of think that, you know, the graph for Abraham and Sarah would be, okay, they, they, they went off so far off track, they had a child the wrong way, and so therefore it's all over for Abraham and Sarah to be fulfilling God's promises and revealing Jesus in their lifetime. Hold on, not so fast. Look at this. Look at this. You know what God does? He says, Hagar, I got a future for you. He gave her a promise. But then what he does with Abraham and Sarah, he just does what he's been doing. He keeps affirming his promise to them. It's going to be good to you. It's going to bless you. Your life is going to be a blessing to others. He just keeps affirming his promise. Listen, I don't know how I'm talking to who are in a similar situation where God wasn't moving fast enough for you, so you took matters into your own hands and things have gotten a bit messier, or God didn't meet your expectations because you didn't hang around long enough for him to bring something good out of what you were going through. You know, the Bible promises this. All things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. It says all things will work together for good. I, 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 I want to invite you to do what Abraham and Sarah did. If you've messed up, I invite you to move your mess into God's mercy. 
Move your mess into God's mercy. Say, sorry, Lord. I got it wrong. I was premature. I jumped ship too early. I didn't give you a chance to fulfill your promises. You know what verse came to my mind when I thought about this this past week? Listen to a prophet Isaiah. In between Abraham and Sarah and Mary and Joseph, a prophet speaks on behalf of God and he says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. I love the way the old English says it, he will abundantly pardon. How many are thankful that he is abundantly merciful and he will pardon us. So I invite you to do that, to move your mass into, we'll pray about that in a moment, okay? Those of you just need to change directions, that you'll move your mass into God's mercy and then move forward into God's certain promises that he has for you. And then Mary and Joseph, they had their share of uncertainties. Remember I said, do you handle your uncertainties like Abraham and Sarah? You gotten off track? Come back into God's mercy and, and get on with a life that fulfills the promises that he has for you. But then Mary and Joseph, they had their share. They faced trials where they said, where are you, God? If, you're, if we're really following what you asked us to do with our lives, then why have we ended up here with these circumstantial setbacks and people letdowns? Why are people against us? We can learn from here. Twice it says it in the Gospels, the stories of Jesus in the Bible, the Gospels, twice in confusing times. One was in the middle of a circumstantial setback, and get this, one was when Jesus, as a 12-year-old, wasn't doing what she thought he should do. And the Gospels record her reaction both times, circumstantial setbacks. Backs and people let down. She's, but Mary pondered these things in her heart. Mary, she asked her honest questions. But then she just, when she, okay, God, may it be to me as you have said. And then she pondered these things in her heart. One of the most important responses that you and I will ever have in our moments of uncertainty or when our faith falters is to ponder how good God has been to us in the past just to ponder, just to rehearse the goodness of God. So for Mary, it would have gone maybe like this. When when Joseph was planning a divorce from me, you came to him at the right time and revealed to him that this child was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And, and, And when I was in circumstances so horrible for the birth of your son in a filthy stable, you sent shepherds who reassured me, that they have been told that this is exactly how they would find the Son of God. And when I was forced to flee into Egypt as a political refugee, you provided the gold ahead of time through the Magi that you sent, you guided to me. You see, when our lives are on pause, and sometimes it is the letdowns of people, that's so painful, or we're stuck in lousy circumstances, Life's not turning out the way that we had had planned. You know what to do? Do what Mary did. If your life is on pause today, ponder God's fulfilled promises. How many know whatever's gone wrong in your life, God's brought a lot of good to your life already? Right on? He has. All, All week I've been singing this song. Don't worry, I won't sing it. I'll just try and say the words. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been good, 
so good. You see, see, we, we, look at, we look at what's happening down here. Sometimes we miss the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been good, so good. We miss the goodness of God. So, so, so I wrote this down. I was thinking about it. I thought, when your future looks uncertain, the best view forward is to see God's faithfulness in your past. And then move forward into God's certain promises. I remember the story of these. The pastor had invited people to come and have a, a personal prayer time at the end of a gathering. And, and these two young adults were, were up there praying, two girls. And, and one of them was, was they, they looked around. They were the only two left there. And so they decided to you know, compare notes. And what, what are you praying about? Oh, I, I, I had this guy in my life. And she began to describe him. And, and, and our, the future looked so promising, but then he left me for another girl. He was unfaithful to me. And, and, and then she noticed that the girl that she was talking to was sort of looking at her like a deer caught in the headlights. And, and, and she says, hey, what are you here praying for? She says, I'm the girl that got him. <laughs> That's why I'm crying. I mean, God will always do the best for those who leave the choice with him. I was rehearsing. I was trying to practice what I'm teaching you. I began to rehearse. And I thought, one story I haven't thought of for a long time. It's about Grandma Mulligan. Dr. Van, your father-in-law's mom. That's the way it would be, because I need to explain these things to you, I know. Um, so she lived just down the road, Kennedy, Shepherd, Shepherd Village. She lived there. And, and Esther and I would sometimes, we were just dating at the time, we'd go over and we'd visit her. I remember one time she told us about she was going to make a trip out west. Out west, to, to see some relatives. I mean, you know, if, if you're a Canadian, you know, if you, don't, you won't find this on your citizenship exam, but there are three parts of Canada. Out west, down east, and up north. All right? You don't need to know the province. <laughs> And she was going out west. And it was sort of a mysterious place to me, out west. We had traveled out there on vacations, but she was going out west. And I didn't know that she had any relatives out there. It was a brother and a sister-in-law she had. And he got the idea that she was on a mission. She was going to go and tell them about Jesus probably one last time. You just got that as you talked to her. You could just pick that up uh, e easily. And... Uh, Okay, fast forward a, a lot of years. I'm pastoring in Edmonton, Alberta. And one of the office staff gave me on this yellow piece of paper a phone number. She said, you need to call right away. This is one of your relatives is in the hospital. Who? Well, it's this, I don't know, but they, this is the number. So I went to see him. I found out that he was, you know, mostly when I go to the hospital, people are happy to see me. Pastor Keith, thank you for coming. This did not happen. I, I walked in and said, like, what are you doing here? You know, <laughs> you know I was thinking, he, he was called my great uncle, but he certainly wasn't coming across all that great, that's for sure. He said, well, you know, I got my own priest, you know. Just, uh, this I said, oh, oh, no, I'm just here and uh, you got a call and, you know, do you mind if I just, uh, we got talking a little bit and do you mind if I just pray with you, God, to prepare him for what's ahead. May he know your presence and experience your love and forgiveness. And, and I was gone. I was a busy pastor. And, and, and a few weeks later, I got a phone call from his wife and, and said, he, he wants to see you. 
He's been sent home from the hospital. There's nothing more they can do for him. And uh, he's, he's only got limited time and he, and he wants to see you. And I, I went in and I was shocked at how much his condition had deteriorated physically. And I, I, um, I realized he didn't have much time left. And like I said, I was a busy pastor, so I just went for it. <laughs> I said, listen, it's not about I'm a pastor and you're not. It's not about religion or denomination or church. Jesus gave his life for every one of us. Because every one of us need, everyone's messed up. We all need his forgiveness. And he also gives us the gift of eternal life. Do, do you want me to pray with you, Uncle Asa? Yes, I do. I remember. Yes, I do. And so I took his hand and his wife was right there. She took the other hand and I prayed and I just prayed, you know, uh, the whole the gospel of how Jesus loves him and died on the cross for him. And, and we open our hearts and we receive your forgiveness that we all need and thank you that Lord, we, when we trust you and live for you, that we'll be with you in heaven when we leave this life. And I finished praying, amen, feeling well, I've done what I could do. And I looked over and my great uncle Asa Armitage had tears just flowing down one side of his face. I don't know why, but just all one side of his face, there were tears just flowing. And I looked at him, because I'm a real man of faith, right? So I looked up and said, you really meant that, didn't you? <laughs> you really meant that, Uncle Asa. You, really, you opened your heart to Jesus today. Oh, and I left there just feeling so high, feeling so good, heading back to the office until suddenly I pulled my car to the side of the road because I couldn't see because I was sobbing so much with the tears because it hit me out of the blue suddenly. That was the relative that my grandma left Toronto to go out west to reveal Jesus to. And I was not there because of me, pastor. I was there because God can orchestrate these things into the future. I was there in answer to my grandmother's prayers. How many know that prayers may die, but their prayers don't? God says, my word comes forth. It will not return to me empty. It's going to, until it fulfills the purpose that I sent it for. This Christmas, some of you are going to be seeing relatives and in-laws and outlaws. You're, you're going to be seeing people that you, you've been trying to shine for Jesus before and, and live for Jesus, and it gets awkward and it gets tough. And, and, and listen, listen, keep revealing Jesus. <laughs> keep living for Jesus. Keep loving them. Keep praying. Keep giving grace because God's at work even when you're not there. What you plant by way of seeds is going to outlive you. Your prayers are going to outlive you. What am I saying? Listen, I'm saying today in this teaching time as we get ready to move towards a prayer time, whether you've messed up or your life is on pause right now, listen, I've got good news to announce. Our moments of uncertainty do not spell the end of Jesus being revealed in our lives. You can't mess up that bad that if you turn to the mercy of God that he won't take you back in and fulfill his promises in your life. So I wanna pray with two groups of people. I wanna pray for those that are going your own way because maybe you gave up on God or just got busy or you, you thought God's not doing things the way that you think they should be done. And, you, and you've messed up. I want you to know that you may have given up on God that God has not given up on you. He has chosen you. He has chosen you. He wants to fulfill 
promises in your life. You have a promising future. Move your mess into God's mercy today and then move forward in God's certain promises. And how many are, your life's on pause right now. There's an area of your life on pause. I want to invite you to ponder the good. Listen, the fact that Jesus, not because he had to, but because he loves you, came and died for you while you were still a sinner. (laughs) God's been good to you been tracking your life, knew you before you were born. I mean, all the scripture, the promises are there that if you'll trust him, not your own ways, he'll guide your paths. Your your life may be on pause. Just ponder how good God has been to you. Because all of us are promised enough supernatural help to overcome every obstacle that we're going to have in our life revealing Jesus, right? Some of us just opt out too quick (laughs) or we give up on God's promises. So how about we just take the next couple of moments and just say, God, all my life you've been faithful, you've been there for me. (laughs) And I'm not giving up on you. Let's pray together. First of all, Lord, I pray for those like Abraham and Sarah are faltering in their faith. They haven't seen you reveal yourself as they think it should have happened and they've tried life without you. We're sorry, we're sorry, that's wrong. And thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for your mercy. You're a God of new beginnings, <laughs> fresh promises. You're a God who redeems what we have been through. And I pray for people that are turning to you now. Restore them, Lord. And may they move forward with trust. And I pray for, for many of us who follow you but then get put on pause with a future that just has so many uncertainties. Like Mary, Lord, may we say, God, look at, look at your faithfulness in the past. <laughs> and if you got me through all those down times in the past and got me up to where your promises are again, then the one that I'm having now, the uncertainty that I'm facing now, you're gonna get me back out on track again. Oh Lord, just, just, just help us to remember your goodness. As we sing all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been good, so good. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.